I'll pray. If you guys fall asleep before I get there, I'll pray for you, okay? I promise. Welcome back to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Christian Mears, and this is the ninth installment of season four, The Hard Sayings of Jesus, specifically what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, you must hate your family to follow me. And to help me address this hard saying, I am joined by a dear friend who has been in my life for about 12 years now, Mr. Matthew Merricks. How are you, bro? By the grace of God, I'm doing okay. Yeah. All right, so I got to I gotta start with a, a short intro. Um, so picture this. I'm about 15 years old. Um, the summer before entering high school, after having some success in Little League and travel ball, I knew that high school baseball was going to be a very humbling experience for me. Although I already knew a lot of the upperclassmen just because they were usually involved in the little leagues that I went to or that I grew up playing in. So I kept my head down with the understanding of the possibility that I was going to be playing with 16, 17, 18 year olds once I got into high school. And so here comes this man. Um, with what seemed to be a chip on her shoulder and a whole lot of wisdom that me as a ripe 15 year old was just ready uh, to uh, take all in. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, I saw the value in mentorship, especially inter- especially looking at the next four years playing against people who were much better than me. And so I bought in. I bought into everything that he was telling me because I knew and had heard that he had a lot of success in the game of baseball. And I won't shy from admitting that that it's it was cool to see that he was a left-hander like me. And so he had already said that he was a little he was shorter than everybody else but was able to still pack a punch with a fastball. And so me, I was scrawny and tall, and so I was like, "Man, if I buy in, I may I may be able to get my fastball up to compete in a way that would surprise everybody. And so long story short, um, that man was Matthew Merricks. And I had bought in in such a way that the high schoolers, the upperclassmen, some family members, even my uh, some friends and even some family members started calling him my dad. They used to make fun of me and be like, oh, you're going to go practice with your daddy, Merricks. And this wasn't a surprise because I knew that that they didn't understand the idea or the concept of mentorship. And so I I honestly, like, obviously it got to the point where it upset me a little bit um, early on. Uh, But as it continued, I just kind of embraced it because... I began showing the fruit of that, of that, of that devotion, so to speak, that I was able to learn, just quietly listen and learn from somebody who had much more experience than I had, and even much more experience than obviously the upperclassmen had. And so I think there was a level of jealousy there, but also it got to the point where 
I was just enjoying what I was learning and I knew that it was a challenge. And so I just kind of embraced that. And along the way, I learned a, a lot of lessons with how to play the game of baseball. And I will never forget, I'll say this real quick too. I'll never forget uh, Matt drove us to the the weight room and he it was me and a couple other a couple of the other baseball players and he said you you want to know what's the number one thing that will attract any girl to you every it works every single time and i and obviously like as 15 16 year olds we were like what 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 is it what is it and he said one word and that word was confidence and i took that and ran with it and then ended up using that to my advantage throughout high school in so many different ungodly ways. But anyway, so um, I stuck by Matthew's side for all of high school and even into college. And so into my freshman year of college, um, long story short, this will be an, a whole episode by itself. But God radically saved me, brought me out of the miry clay that I was stuck in, um, filled with self-righteousness and sin and guilt. And Matt was the first person I called because I knew that he was going through his own faith crisis and faith walk, his own walk with Jesus at that time. And I recognized God put on my heart to uh, call him that uh, one night in October of 2014 we talked for a few hours and you can speak into that if you want because um i i don't remember a lot of the conversation but i do remember asking you um where do i start and i remember you responding with um just start with the gospels because that's where you learn about jesus and i ended up going to i ended up dropping to my knees right then and there after our conversation it was like 11 o'clock at night on a wednesday was it Wednesday or Friday? Yeah, it was because w- it was Bible study. It was Wednesday. With, uh, Josh and yeah, and it was definitely Greg. Wednesday. It was Wednesday, and and I just dropped on my knees and surrendered my life to the Lord. I just looked up to the sky with tears, like heavy, heavy tears, rolling down my cheeks, and I was like, "Okay, God, like I surrender." And I had been, I had begun praying a couple months before that because we had a speaker named Nick Vujicic. Uh, very yeah very famous uh, evangelist slash motivational speaker who has no arms and no legs and I remember going to a speaking engagement that he that they had at my high school football field and he he preached the gospel and um, I feel like God had been working in my heart ever since then and so I I begun to pray but on this night uh, in 2014 um, in Colorado that's when I fully fully embraced God's calling on my life. Um, but anyway, uh, for the sake of not being long-winded, uh, that man who has been, who has been praying for me, who has been, um, mentoring me in the game of baseball and just in becoming a, a man of God is Matthew Merricks. And this, this episode, this conversation has been a long time coming. Um, I think I'm about 30s, plus episodes in and i finally have this man on so ladies and gentlemen matthew merricks it's uh humbling to be here chris it's very humbling to be here and 
slightly, a, a tad bit shameful to know that, you know, even at the start of my coaching career, uh, it began in a worldly way. Um, I remember that. I remember in the beginning giving you guys, I, re I remember when I surrendered my life to Christ and, and, and what it did, how it changed my view of things and how it changed my view of how I was going to coach and how I was going to um, begin to mentor young men like yourself, not only through the game of baseball, but in life as well. I remember, you know, wanting to give a lot different advice than I did in the beginning years. Uh, I'm very grateful that we stay connected through that. Um, just extremely, extremely humbling, knowing that God used just a, a broken down sinner like myself in any way to help introduce you to Jesus' love. And I'm very grateful just at, at your, that's just how God has used you and, and used you to, to grow in a, a massive way, man, in, in a way that, I mean, surpasses me and my faith, right? Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to have you in my life, uh, you and, and Brother Camper. I'm grateful for both of you and who happen to be younger than me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so as the, the elderly man and of, of, the, of the trio, um, to know that I have two younger brothers in Christ who are or have been probably, not probably, but have been more faithful in their calling, it, it's, it's, it's good. It's good for me to have you guys in my life, and I'm just grateful that God brought us together. Yeah. Just a, I don't think I've, I've asked you this, or I don't think we've kind of like talked about this, but where exactly were you in your faith? when when you met me right um 2014 ish mm -hmm. no not 2014 like oh, 2010 yeah like nine or ten like, yeah probably. 2010 so when you met me and also um when i was saved like where where were you in those two <clears throat> point uh, significant points in my life so point number one when Manny Lara had reached out to me. I was still in in a place of kind. Of, I wouldn't say utter darkness, but I was pretty. I was been in a pretty dark place. Mm -hmm. um, baseball had ended. I had the talent. I had the gifts. I had the work ethic. I had the drive. I had the determination, and it didn't happen. Right, and everyone, everything I had been taught was if you have those things and you want it bad enough, you'll get it. You know, and and I didn't, and it was devastating. My identity was wrapped in it. My you know, who I was, my confidence that I told you guys about, you know, was in that. And uh, Manny Lara, Coach Manny, shout out to Coach Manny Lara. Uh, he gave me an opportunity to coach. And, you know, at, th at that point, I was still in, in question about God. So I came to Christ at 19 through my brother Joe Wankel Sass, if you're out there. Still love you, brother. Um, he introduced me to Christ with Atlanta. And Atlanta was had a lot of had a lot of Christians in the organization to be honest. So I, I was grateful for that. Like John Smoltz and I remember John Smoltz and Terry Pendleton rented out the movie theater in Orlando in downtown Disney, the AMC, so we can watch Passion of the Christ. Oh wow! So it was a lot of kids from the organization were there. A lot of uh, followers of Christ were there, and and I had all these questions, like so many questions that so many 
so many things that you've addressed in your podcast, really, right? Because I was not raised in the church. I, I knew nothing about it. You know, my dad, the God conversations with my dad extended to, you're a God talent. Like, God blessed you with talent. Your gift back to God is how far you take your talent. Mm-hmm. That was about the extent of it. Um, and so I just had questions, and they a lot of them, you know, like you know, a, a lot of them, don't know the apologetics. They don't know how to answer some of these questions. And it led to doubts. And I didn't have, you know, Winkle Sass was playing professional baseball, so I kind of lost contact with him. And I didn't have anybody to reach out to, really to pray with me or to to mentor me, guide me in the right direction. Uh, And I kind of fell off. And then the final blow was, you know, baseball ending. So when Laura called me and gave me the opportunity to, to coach, I saw that as, kind of a uh, not an answer but it kind of gave my career a little bit of purpose mm-hmm. right like what I had gone through right I met you and and Greg and Johnny just three fantastic young men you know just I loved all three of you guys in different ways and even Isaiah and the rest of the crew but you three specifically and I thought I can teach them all the things I learned right and so the beginning I'd have to say it was in a worldly sense, right? Like I'm gonna prove to everybody like how good I was or how much knowledge I acquired through my coaching, mm-hmm. right? It was kind of selfish, to be honest. It was, the motives were semi-selfish. I, I knew I was pouring back into the youth of my community, so to speak, but for purposes that weren't exactly pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that darkness and through you know nothing kind of filling the void and having issues with my son's mother at the time, um, not my wife, my, my now wife, but at the time, no, because I was, I was a worldly young man. Um, I just, I was having it out with her and, and just not a happy person and dealing with things that, that still linger to this day, um, but God's grace is sufficient. But I kind of surrendered in a similar way that you did. Just fell to my knees, tear, super tears, super tension and frustration, and I just remember letting go and and not knowing where to start. Uh, so as you aged, uh, what you got? I, I remember even I remember being at CI still and still and starting to listen to Christian hip hop mm-hmm. and starting to transition to like K Love and and you know uh, Air One Radio, kind yeah. of getting rid of the secular music and reading the Bible, learning about what love really was, the sacrificial love, the agape love that I don't believe anybody and it, nobody could truly know that love without knowing Jesus Christ mm-hmm. through the re- revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so that was the, the, the you that called me and the me that answered that phone would have responded a lot differently had it been the me when you were 15 Mm -hmm. you know I would have thought I was giving decent advice and sound advice but it would have been far different than the advice that you got that night yeah um so obviously I'm again just humbled at all for for any young man that that I've come into contact with that has been led to Jesus through you know our conversations or or my mentorship it's God and it's Christ alone. But 
definitely would have been some <laughs> some different advice, man. Yeah. And and it wasn't foreign to me, you know, like even even then, even though it didn't come from you, I got it from somebody. Someone was giving that advice. And obviously at that point I was so broken and I had been born again and I was able to respond to it in a way that a Christian should, you know, almost like angry. Like, why are you telling me this? Like, this isn't going to help me at all because of what God had revealed to me in, in, in what was now my purpose. My purpose was to live a godly life as a godly man, um, completely surrendered to Jesus, clinging to my cross till the end of my days. And so I did respond. I think we've we've talked about this how when we first get saved we feel we feel angry because of we feel bamboozled yes. by the, by the world and how what we aspired to achieve in our lives as as you know worldly men that it was going to satisfy us and then when it didn't when it actually led to our destruction we get kind of mad, right? We uh, I think it was like a process of like gratitude to God for saving us out of that out of that sin and then we get mad we're like why didn't everybody why didn't anybody tell me about this right it's the three the three right the the great just the complete grat like gratitude of like wow how can somebody how can the god of the universe love me that much yeah. like it's just emotional mm-hmm. right like i how i think about everything i've ever done i think about everything i I, I have done even today, I think about what I, what I would do for the rest of my life, and not I don't desire that, right? The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. I, and he loves me, like he loves me that much. It's just like, it's wow. It's it's unbelievable. But then like you said, it's that, that I've been lied to. Yeah. No one likes being lied to. Disney lied. Yeah. The R&B songs I used to li- yep. like, like so much lied to me. The TV, the movies, they all lied to me. And the third one is, I got to tell everybody. I got to tell everybody everybody about this love. And I got to tell everybody they've they've been lied to. Yeah. This this true love that I've felt and witnessed and and this lie. Yeah, and that's, I thought it was like, so um, I want to put a pin in that real quick. I want to say something really quick, and then we'll kind of get back to that. there's this secular, this is going to seem so off, um, off the track, off the train of thought, but I need to say this before we can continue. So there's a secular rapper named uh, Joyner Lucas, and mm-hmm. he made uh, a song. Basically, it was an ode to Will Smith. It's a, yeah, it's a secular rap song. Um, it doesn't have any cussing in it, but it's just, it, uh, Joyner Lucas himself like it was just very worldly right um but he he made this song with uh, about will smith and in the music video he plays like all of will smith's characters and he he like he's like um will from fresh prince of bel-air he's the guy from i am legend like every single movie major blockbuster that will smith has been in he like um through the song he kind of transitions in and out of it's like really cool music video very Mm -hmm. artistic Mm -hmm. i really like it actually like it's very creative and then, um, and then Will like Will Smith actually reached out and he like added a verse to it, mm-hmm. and so um, during this time that I uh, that I saw that video, that I kind of knew um, that Will Smith you know added 
responded to him and decided to add a verse to it. So they did that song together. Um, throughout that time, I started hearing a phrase um, that people just started using on social media, and it was to give somebody their flowers. And what this phrase means is that people give someone their flowers. You know how when someone dies, people obviously like give right. them, literally give them flowers, right? Uh, put put them on their at their gravesite or on their tombstone. And so this phrase began popping up on social media and just in the culture in general, where people were beginning to show their gratitude and appreciation for someone before they died. Right. So in order to show appreciation or gratitude, um, you would give them their flowers, so right. to speak. So like, you know, Denzel Washington, he's not dead yet, but he's been he's had a significant impact on a lot of people through right. his through his art. And so if I, you know, took 10 minutes to just explain how he impacted my life, that would be, in a sense, um, giving him his flowers. And so for you, Matt, I want to give you yours right now. You have been, I don't think I would be saved right now. I don't think we would have be having this conversation. I don't think I would have this podcast. I don't think I would, I would have my wife. I don't think I would have my daughter if it wasn't for God using you in my life. Because I, it got to the point where I was in Colorado. And it's funny because I, I just mentioned this to my wife the other day. I was, I was in Colorado just to meet her. I was in Colorado just to meet her. And I only met her because I was saved. At church? Yeah. It was at church. And um, I wouldn't have stayed in Colorado. Colorado I wouldn't have known the schools in Colorado, I wouldn't have stayed if I wasn't saved on that day in October. Wow. And so all of that stems from your influence and how God has used you in my life. I w and even, even in that same line of thought, I wouldn't have had anyone to call. I didn't have anyone to call. I love my dad. He's amazing. He's one of the greatest men in my life. Right. But there's a reason why I didn't call him. Because I knew that he wasn't going to tell me what I actually needed to hear. And what I actually needed to hear was, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to begin learning about him. You need to begin, this re begin embracing the relationship that he's calling you to. Because that's the only way you're going to survive in this life. In a, and live a life that matters. And so, although you experienced a very, very dark time when you met me, and, you, and, you, and you've been going through your trials uh, since then, since we've known each other, oftentimes our dark nights of the soul, so to speak, as, as theologians say, oftentimes God uses those to minister to other people. And by God's grace and his mercy and his love, you began pouring that out, emptying yourself to give to others. And one of those people was me. And so I just wanted to thank you for loving me in a way that 
I hadn't ever known before from the world. And that was just straight up godly discipleship. In a sense, you were the first form of discipleship. You were the first godly form of discipleship that I knew. And you did it hundreds of miles away. I mean, thank you. It's just like I... So if you ever wondered what would be said at your funeral, just know that that's what would come from me. So, thank you. You know, you already know I have to. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You already know I have to value that to God. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, 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 I expect, total, I mean, I expect total, no less. Total depravity over here, man. But that's why. That's why. Like, the fact, just a, like as a teenager, hearing someone say, no, I got to give that glory to him, is, is, was something otherworldly to me. It was, it was foreign because I grew up with like, with like the, the, I mean, they're still around now, but just the boastful sports guys right. or the business gurus who are like, yeah, self-made right Ooh, here. Right. That, was a, that was a very common phrase, yeah. self-made, you know, like, and, but for someone to say like, hey, God is leading you to this and God has placed these people in your life to help you grow in Christ-likeness, that that was otherworldly to me right and that's what drew me in and that's what god used to that's what god and i, I won't hesitate to alley you a bit to god because i've i've been that like Ooh. i've i've seen i've done the same thing when people are like hey chris like you if like i wouldn't be in the place that i'm in if it wasn't for you right and it's cool to think about because it just goes down the line you know like a 15, 16 year old now is telling that to me. And then I'm like, well, I got all of these people to like, to thank myself. Right. Like I'll never forget Joe. Joe Winkle's ass. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. just, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, man. It really, it really, really is beautiful. And it's, you know, like I said, it's total depravity. And that is the most important. I mean, as a father now, I mean, when I met you, I had Messiah, I think, and I didn't even have Malcolm yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as parents, you think, okay, I want my children to be educated or, you know, I hope they, you know, find something to do that they're good at and they're passionate about or they have a solid career or how are we going to take care of them financially. And, and honestly... You know, my, my, a lot of my brokenness comes from, you know, because at home, you know, the, the beauty of a family is they see all of you, mm -hmm. right? And, and they're still there, right? That's why the picture of, of Jesus in the church is, is so close to the marriage. It's like, yeah, you know, and we get that backwards where it's like the, this picture is not, happily ever after this picture is not you know flowers and fancy dates this picture is you know two people who 
get to do life together. Two people who get to celebrate their highs, but experience the other person's lows and still be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what my just, my prayer for my children, you know, my prayer for, um, we didn't mention, you know, the 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 program that that I've been trying to get off the ground is that those kids know Jesus. You know, there's just, it's not, it's not us, man. It's not us. You know, it's it's him. Mm-hmm. And there's so, so, so much beauty in that. And I'm just so, am so humbled. I just think of, think of Paul, you know, who I'm chief sinner. Yeah. I'm like, if Paul is the chief sinner, then <laughs> I might be chief captain, yeah. MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just humbling to have that, that type of attitude because Paul was, he was no small guy. I mean, he was probably small, li- like literally. Right, right um, stature. Yeah, but he was he was definitely no small, you know, hero of the faith. You oh, know, he wrote monster two of thirds faith. of the New Testament. Uh, but even in those, he he doesn't hesitate to write a couple letters to up and coming pastors. Right, he writes Timothy first and second Timothy, and he writes one to Titus. And even then, we still see his heart. As we go through those letters, we still see his heart for discipleship, his heart to see faithfulness. But, yeah, I just wanted to take that time to honor you, right? Because the Bible says to outdo one another in honor. And I just wanted to do my due diligence and give God the glory for doing exactly what he does, doing exactly what he said he would promise to do. And that is to to send, to give us each other. Right. Right. And so um, that's the whole purpose. Like you mentioned the, the, the kids in the program. And not only do we want them to know Jesus, but we want them to realize that that's more desirable. That's more delightful. We want them to know like, oh, like we want them to lay out all of their options and choose Jesus because he's better than anything the world has to offer. Right. And it's not it's not like this like soft, um, effeminate like type of love that we have for another man. It's literally life or death in the most mundane situations you can think of. Like choice by choice, day by day. You have to die. Like it's not it's not it's not necessarily like uh, I just heard in in a in a podcast earlier today when I was driving over here where uh, the t-shirts that they hand you at church, like during your baptism, right. it usually says like, oh, the best is yet to come or, or, uh, something like super like nice and like, yeah. uh, you know, positive. And then this, this, uh, this podcaster was like, what they should do, uh, what they should put on that t-shirt is my life is about to get a lot harder. A lot. Because that's, that's the reality. <laughs> like, yes. And so, um. Yeah, I'll actually just use that as a segue to to this hard saying that we'll unpack here uh, in the next several minutes. And that comes out of Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Um, and so I'll just read that the out of Luke 14. Um, I'll just read from 25 to 30, 25 to 30. So 
Luke 14. It says, starting at verse 25, Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. So Jesus here is basically testing the faithfulness of his disciples, or at least those who profess to want to follow him. And so one thing that we do need to kind of unpack is this idea of hating our families. So... What, is, what exactly does Jesus mean when he literally tells his disciples to hate their families? Uh, it seems to be a prerequisite to discipleship. So what, what, what does that mean? I mean, you know, as, as, a, as a believer for, you know, over a decade and knowing the character of Jesus, knowing the, the, the teachings of Jesus— then you know that if you just took this verse here and just try to take it at face value, you'd be f- far from the truth, yeah. right? Um, I think it's for for myself. I'll speak for myself first. When I when I see that and when I read that, what I just hear is that it's going to cost you a lot to follow Christ, and you have to be willing to put Him first above it all. Mm-hmm. Right, and everything else should seem in comparison, like it's a comparison thing. Right? Like and, and again, if it's if it's compared to the marriage, right? Because the one thing that God said it is not good in creation was that man was alone. Mm-hmm. So let us create him in our image, male and female. So the the picture of the the marriage is like Jesus in the church. And so by comparison, my love for my wife should feel in comparison, everyone else should feel in comparison that I hate them mm-hmm. compared to how much I love my wife. Yeah. Right? It doesn't mean I hate other people. It doesn't mean I don't love other people. It just means in comparison, I should love Jesus. I mean, you know, in, in America, I think we we get that the whole softened Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't. We're not brought up in a Muslim country, where a young lady who decides to follow Christ may absolutely get shunned by her family forever. Yeah, right. Some families even have a funeral for for their children that choose Jesus. You yeah. know, while while they're still alive. Right, yeah. while they're still alive. Yes, and and so it it you have to consider the cost. Right, and and you take you take it in context. You didn't read thirty one or, or beyond, but it, it talks about a king going to war. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, do you, are you gonna? You don't go to war. And it's interesting he uses a king in war because what you just talked about. It you know when you publicly get baptized, you are screaming, declaring war against the enemy. Yeah, that's and, true. And that's what it's gonna be. So before you do that, before you choose to follow me, you, you need to understand what this means, right? Yeah. Um, 
But like you said, church today is is soft and it's loving kindness and it's it's a war going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I I love um, this quote by A. W. Tozier where he says, "In every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross." <sighs> that that just like paints a wonderful picture of our our self-sacrifice right like we have to decrease so that god may increase and it's not some decision that we make on a whim or you know just kind of blatantly just you know i feel this sort of way or i feel like i'm going to you know have a better life choosing jesus and then it's just going to be all sunshine and roses like no there's a reason why jesus says Hey, if you don't bear your own cross, you can't follow me. <laughs> and that, you know, obviously a cross is a first century execution device that was absolutely the most humiliating way to die. You know, obviously, like when we look at crucifixes, usually Jesus has like clothing on, but more than likely he was completely naked. Right. They wanted to publicly shame him. And so we don't necessarily put that, you know, on the, the church banner you know, for everyone to see. Definitely not. Because it's not appealing. But when we have to, and, and sometimes we're kind of bamboozled ourselves, and when we go to churches that preach just like, you know, love and kindness and and all of this, like, you know, the mute, the, the lights are low, and it just seems like very emotional, That that is distasteful to the young man who is trying to become more like a man. Right. Or trying to be or trying to find out what a Christian man truly is. Um, and so when when we realize like, no, this is this is actually the, the perfect place for me to establish discipline, to, to establish uh, delayed gratification and to learn exactly how to love someone in the most intentional way. And that is. With humility. That is with honesty. Another quote that I have here that kind of goes in line with with, with what we're talking about is, uh, let me look for it here. You mentioned marriage, and this guy named Ryan Fred says, honesty in marriage is like breathing. As soon as it stops, you begin to suffocate and die. It just, it paints a picture of just constant, constant sacrifice because it's hard to be honest. We want to preserve everything that we've presented to other people. Like, this is the image that I have. I, w- I got to protect it. Right. Where that, that's where that, the quote about the throne and the cross comes. Kind of jab me like a knife. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's so, like you said, you mentioned um, the advice that you had received was so, like, otherworldly. It truly is. I mean, nowadays what you hear very often is, you know, family over everything. Yeah. Right? Like family F-O-E. first. FOE. Yeah. <laughs> FOE or, or family first. Family yeah. first, right? Family first. And and it's like, but we we wouldn't have our family if it wasn't for, for Christ. We, we wouldn't have our children. We wouldn't have anything we have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the idea that we're supposed to you know, love Christ even more than 
you know, our own wife or more than our own children is it's not it's not it's not something that a person can comprehend apart from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. And that's why I say as believers, right, because we've been blessed with the Holy Spirit. So when we read the scripture, it's real to us. It's true to us. Um, but it's foolish to the world. Right, it's foolish to the world. Like the, the world will hear that and go, "Well, well that's ridiculous." Right? I, you should do everything for your family, and it's not logical. I mean, I I, I don't want to open up this can of worms, but I, I I often analyze things from multiple angles, which is why when I say something, I feel like. I'm just going to say this. I, sh- I shouldn't have to explain it because I've already calculated like 15 different angles in my brain. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that is one of them. Like logically, is it logical to do everything for your family when when they can be taken from you? Yeah. Yeah, that's is, true. Is, is it a logical thing? Like if, if, if happiness is something you're really trying to pursue in life, if peace is what you really want, and that's what everyone's pursuing, then why would you seek for your peace and your happiness in something that could be taken from you? Right? So it was like every angle I looked at, at Jesus and Christ and God and my relationship with with Him was through, it just makes the most sense. Yeah. I'm you looking know? for, yeah, that's that's good that you mentioned that. It reminds me of this quote. I forgot who it was. Um, I don't have it. I thought I had a screenshot of it, but... Hold on, give me one and it, and, yeah, go ahead. And uh, we had mentioned before before we started the, the podcast, we had spoken about how just how beautiful the Bible is, how it's one enormous story broken into 66 books and how you don't need anything else to confirm it. Like mm-hmm. You can just go to a different book. You can go to a different section You can and cross-reference it. And, you know, the one MacArthur uses in the study Bible was 1613 of Luke, where it says, No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate one, the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Right? And that's what he's saying. Like, and, and to be fully transparent, I, I believe that's been one of my biggest spiritual battles mm-hmm. is balancing. Not, it shouldn't even be a balance. It should be I'm going for broke for God. Yeah. Right? Despite what anyone else may think, despite what my father thinks, despite what, you know, and I've had discussions with my dad where I, you know, he was shocked and almost seemed disappointed because I told him I believed in the Bible 100%. Mm-hmm. And he's like, almost like, I didn't raise an idiot. Kind of, it was yeah. that, like, basically it was that, that's kind of the speech he was giving me, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, like, you did, yeah, because <laughs> I one hundred percent believe what the Bible says. Yeah, and it's 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 sad to think about that because in the the passage that you just mentioned, that it was foolishness to the world. It just it, if he thinks it's foolishness, then he's part of the world, which is kind of sad to think about, right? You know, but the the quote that I that I was that I thought about when you were talking about. Um, losing like if i'm gonna do everything for my family 
logically that doesn't make sense because I can lose my family and then all my work is lost. It reminded me of this quote by Martin Luther where he said, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, I still possess. Mm. And it's just, it just packs a punch. And I think it, it brings that point that you were talking about what seems logical or illogical uh, that it, with that quote, it just kind of, kind of brings it all in because what you have and what you place in God's hands, not only will he bless it, but he will also make you realize if it's worth holding on to or not, where he's like, Hey God, like I want this job. I'm going to give it to you. Like, I I'm just trusting you with it. And if he says like, yeah, you don't need that. Like it just, it, it gives you a lot more clarity when you bring things to God. And so when it's something that he is planning for your life, he blesses it and he, and he, and he allows you to see that thing that you gave to him as something worth receiving. Right. Like, okay, God, this is from you. And you're receiving it from a place of humility and a, a, place, a place of gratitude. Yeah. Right. But you're also receiving the rejection from a place of peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm, uh, yeah. Again, I, and um, you know, again, you mentioned the throne and the cross, and and you mentioned um, something along those lines. It was what always comes to my mind, and and I think you spoke about it earlier when we were talking about how you had your moment where you came to Christ, and and how people in the world were like businessmen or whatever else were like, you know, I determined, I worked hard, and I was dedicated, and you know, the the very famous right now motivational speaker that says if you want something more than you want to breathe you'll get it you know what i mean and i'm like and i'm like i'm like no Mm -hmm. right and i there's there's very there's a there's a a lot of aha moments for me but i remember reading about you know how um lucifer said like i will be like the most high and i will ascend and i will i he made all these you know the four or five i statements and i thought oh my goodness that was me. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yeah. Right? And Jesus is like, I don't want this cup. Like, if there's any other way, take it from me. But thy will be done. You know? And and it's the... It's just what I hope to teach. And I hope, you know, I pray for um, to be an influence of that over my wife and my children um, the, the lives of the, the youth that I've come into contact with, like yourself, or, or you know, the kids that are playing, you know, baseball with us, is like, it's not. There's there's no peace in that, mm-hmm. right? Like if we really think about it, you know, there's a there's a quote that says if if what is it? if you live for the praise of others, then you'll die by the rejection, yeah. or the acceptance of others, you'll die by the rejection, and that goes for parents. That even could go for your spouse under certain circumstances. It could go on by your children, anybody, right? And for a long time, that was that was dad, whatever my dad, you know, you know, as a child, you, you know, the father in the home, his word packs a lot of punch. Yeah. Um, so trying, knowing, you know, when you know that our father, who out there in heaven, like, with the hallowed name, when we know his truth about us, 
when we know his words about us. Nothing can compare to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, like whenever we make someone else the standard for our growth, our holiness, and our devotion, it crumbles. And then we're left heartbroken, empty, ashamed, and like debilitated to to continue going forward but by god's grace he is merciful and he gives us the power to persevere so yeah man thank you for that like so two more things so when we make jesus a priority as his disciples in what ways do our families benefit from that so when we keep god and jesus at the forefront in what way or in what ways do our families benefit from that? I'm just going to say I don't feel qualified to answer this question. Um, again, just a sinner saved by grace. Again, uh, like my, like one of my favorite pastors, uh, Dave Johnson says, I'm just a, a, a beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when we truly do that, again, there's just, there's, there's no other path to the true fruits of the spirit that comes with that right the joy the peace like those things only stem from the seed of that righteousness right like we have to again and and i point my children to jesus often because they see their dad fail daily as much as it hurts me to say that but when they do see me following Christ and they see the joy that comes with that and they see the peace that comes with that, again, I'll mention Joe Wankelsass. I remember seeing him and going, I don't know what he has, but I want what he has. Yeah. And it wasn't his old Cadillac DeVille from like <laughs> 1989 that is, you know, he had from high school. It wasn't is his good looks or charming personality was just he always seemed to have joy. Mm-hmm. I think when I met him, he was either on his first or second Tommy John surgery. Oh, wow. You know, he's a late-round draft pick. He made his way to the big leagues and had Tommy John and bounced around a little bit and was like a triple-A guy, and he just always seemed to have joy. And I remember asking him, and he said, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you truly do it the right way, people are going to see and they're going to want to taste and see that the Lord is good for themselves. And there's nothing more powerful. There's no, there's no better gift you can give anybody than at least that little mustard seed, mustard seed of what do you have? What's your reason behind the joy that seems everlasting? And you introduce them to Jesus. I mean, that's good, man. Last thing. So, anyone who's listening to this and feels guilt, shame for anything that they've done in their past, what hope do they have? How oh, would how would you how would you share the good news? I used to when I when I used to go to uh, the Outsiders Bible Study with Vince, and it was just the men's, right? Um, I, I loved it because just no offense, ladies. But men, when they get it, when it's a group of men, there's just some a level of transparency there that is unmatched. Yeah, and they were just poor. They they were carrying all like all men. We all are. I don't care if you're saved by Christ or not. We all 
fall short of the glory of God. Um, no one is righteous, no, not one. And we all know that. And the I was listening to a, a sermon, and the man was saying, the, the, the pastor was saying that the first thing that God did for Adam and Eve was was cover. They, they were in shame, right? Their, their sin created guilt, and they tried to hide it. Mm -hmm. right shame and they try to hide it and God covered that and what I would say to anybody dealing with any level of shame is that the cross is enough Jesus said to tell us and, and it is finished what he did what he did what, what God make making him who knew no sin so that we can wear his righteousness the, the cross is enough. It absolutely is enough. It fulfilled God's payment for sin. It's finished. Nothing else is needed. You, you, not only were your sins nailed to the cross, but I used to share with those those men, and, and I should have been speaking it to myself, and I'm speaking it to myself right now, that we don't have to carry our guilt and shame either. Because when we do... We're saying that Jesus' cross was not enough. Mm -hmm. Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. And it absolutely was. And we are free from not only our sins, but from the guilt and the shame of our sins. Now, as, as men of God and people who, even you, you people out there that might not be believers who, who will be, there is consequences that come with your sin. But God will see you through those. He is faithful. And he will keep his promises. He is not a man that he shall lie. So just, just God bless. But and I say that with all love, that the cross was enough. And it is enough. And it will always be enough. And we have to praise God for that. Amen. Trust and believe in the finished work of his son for your salvation. And you will be saved. It is a precious truth that has been that has reverberated throughout the ages no matter what the cultural moment was and we praise god for that thank you bro thank i you, love man. you i appreciate you i'm praying for you and i'm grateful for what god is doing in your life thank you yeah thank, thank you thank you i love you, you too man all right thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the don't knock it podcast if you want to know more about it you can find us on instagram and twitter if you listen on spotify make sure you follow and click the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes and subscribe to get access to exclusive ones if you feel led to do so if you listen on apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already thank you all for listening i'm your host christian Maris. grace and peace family Bye.